Yeah. I think so. We good? No? Yes? No? Let's go on. All right, maybe we'll just go wireless. And we're good. Awesome. Okay, good morning. Welcome to Crossroads. That'll wake you up. Um, <coughs> yeah, it really is a beautiful morning. We've had some, some really great weather, and I uh, hope you're enjoying summer. So uh, I do want to uh, just highlight HeartWorks, okay? So the next five weeks, starting next week, um, we as adults are going to be joining the youth, and it's going to be a challenge. And, and I, I want to put the challenge out there. Um, I, I've been able to look at the material, and Jason mentioned some of the stuff, you know, beans and rice, sleeping on the floor. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's okay for those young people to do. Um, and I, I kind of already have opted out in a way. I'm like, eh, you know, it, it'll be really good. I can make my kids do this. And um, yeah, yeah. And, but I, I, I've been thinking and praying about it, and I, and I want to take this seriously because I think there's some really good stuff um, that God can do through identifying with um, folks who don't have as much as we do. We really do have a lot. And so next week, what we're going to do is we're just going to introduce HeartWorks to you next week. And then there are four weeks. And every week there is what they call a compassion challenge. Did I step up on the stage away from the speakers? No? I don't know. We're good. But there is a compassion challenge. And I, and I want to encourage you to, to really pray and ask God, um, what does that look like for you and, and to take it seriously? Um, so yeah, I want to encourage you. HeartWorks, I think it's going to be a great um, message series, five weeks, and then we'll get back into Romans. And so right now we're in this um, section of Romans where the end of chapter 11 is where we are, end of chapter 11, and, and it's this natural transition point, okay? And uh, so you can turn to the end of uh, Romans chapter 11, and then uh, in August, we'll pick up uh, chapter 12, and chapter 12 becomes uh, just a, lo a lot easier, okay? We've had some heavy weeks this last, uh, this last month with Romans, but um, this morning is going to be pretty cool, because this morning is just this doxology, this, this praise that, that Paul just um, writes, and you can just hear his heart there, okay? So, I want to start with a question. If you don't know something, what do you do? I got it written down yet. We Google it. Okay. We really do. And, and I think uh, we today um, really struggle with not knowing stuff. Okay. Because, so yesterday we drove out to Iowa City um, for a wedding and, and we're, we're cruising along uh, Interstate, Interstate 80 and there's this, this truck, like uh, a big five-ton truck. And it, it looks a little bit different. It's got like all these vents and stuff on the side and kind of pull up next to it. And on, the, on the, the cab, there's a sticker that's some pigeon club, pigeon racing club. Okay, so, so I'm starting to talk about, like I have a great uncle. who's my grandmother's brother. Um, and he had racing pigeons, homing pigeons. And so, and, and I know he loved them. He, he was pretty passionate about them. But I didn't know a whole bunch about them. I, you know, basically... At this point, you know, I knew they're pigeons, and, and they drive them far away from home, 
and these things fly back home. I, and it, okay, so we're kind of, and I'm telling the kids about it, and Alice Googles it. I mean, this is pretty phenomenal. These things fly at like, can't remember what speed, like 100 and something? 100 miles an hour, they can cover like six, 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 700 miles a day. Some of them fly for days. I mean, th they drive these pigeons like far away. And, and they fly home. They figure out where home is. And, and here's what's really cool. Um, as Americans, you guys should take note of this. The queen has homing pigeons as well, okay? If you're a royalist, oh, sorry, wrong crowd. Uh, but isn't that cool? I mean, she has pigeons. The queen has, and she just built a new house for her pigeons. I don't know when that was, but you can go online, you can Google it and see the queen's house for her pigeons, okay? Isn't that amazing? So, so in terms of information, we really, <coughs> we have got so accustomed. And, and at the end of this conversation, I was just sitting thinking as I was driving, like I grew up before Google. Like when I was a kid, um, Google was not around. And I remember getting a big old brick cell phone when I was like 20 something. And, and the internet, I was at university when they started, like you could get an email address. And it was like, this is cool. We could email people like, you know, without putting a stamp on it. And then, you know, the internet just came about. Um, and so today we have access to so much information. We can Google anything. If you want to learn about homing pigeons, you can Google it. It is there. Okay? So um, lots and lots of information out there. But it wasn't always like this. I was thinking back, yeah, as a kid, what, what would I do if I wanted to know or find out something? Well, what did you do? A what? Okay, describe those to us. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, do you remember? I, I remember Encyclopedia Britannica was the ones we had. Um, you know, and, and they started at A through Z, and there was like 20, 30 books there, and, and whatever was written, and that was like definitive information, wasn't it? Okay. Uh, if you didn't have encyclopedias. Um, so, I mean, you realize that the, the internet has killed off those guys who went around selling encyclopedias? Like, there's no job. <laughs> those guys. <laughs> now you get spam email instead. <laughs> but if you didn't go into encyclopedias, you would find someone who was um, knowledgeable, an expert. And uh, it was really cool is we use the word fundi. I don't know if, if you're familiar with that. A fundi, someone who really knows what it is. It's actually a Swahili word, which means expert or, or really learned in, that, in that, that topic. And so if you wanted to find something out, you'd have to, f like people carried knowledge in those days. And, and you'd go to older folks who you knew were experts in that field. And today, I mean, we don't really care about this knowledge. Monty, you have, you have this wealth of, of knowledge in your head. And I, I mean, if you want to know about sports facts or anything like that, ask Monty. He's got it stuck away there. But the thing is today, like I could probably match you on, I mean, I'd be slower, but I'd be able to get to the same information, I think, maybe. I don't know. There's still value in knowing this stuff, okay? But go for it. What is it? Okay. There, there is a challenge. The person, 
one person. Use your phone. Okay. All right. Distraction. Okay, we'll check that out after the service. Stay off your phones. But, but, but we have this desire, and, and we've kind of, this is great, we've kind of awakened this desire of, for knowledge. And so um, if, you, if you don't know who it is, speak to Monty afterwards. If, you know, I'm going to Google that afterwards, okay? So it wasn't always that we Googled stuff. We, we used to speak to people who had knowledge, or we went to encyclopedias, or we went to the library. If we needed to know something, we could go to the library and research and find books, and it would take a long time. But today, we're so used to having this knowledge, um, this information at our fingertips that sometimes when we don't know something or can't figure something out, uh, we get incredibly frustrated. And I think sometimes that happens in terms of our faith. When we have questions about God and we can't Google those questions, so what do we do? Um, the last few weeks, Paul, in, in, in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, he's been bringing up some really hard things to understand. And these are not things that we can Google and go, hey, Google, how do the Jews get saved in the end? What about the Gentiles? What about people with a rebellious heart? How does your grace, Father, how does your grace break through to people with a rebellious heart. doesn't matter if they're Jew or Gentile. doesn't matter if it's 2,000 years ago or today. You can Google that, and I don't think you're going to get the right answer. And so how do we deal with information, specifically information um, about salvation and God, and maybe where we don't understand, and are we okay with some mystery in the gospel? Are we okay with some... Yeah, some mystery, some, some maybe unknown, some wonder in terms of the gospel. Because I think often it, it, it frustrates us. You see, we have this, this natural desire to know, okay? We have this desire to know stuff. That's why someone built Google, okay, whoever it was. And, 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 and Wikipedia and all of these things, that's why someone printed those encyclopedias. Because we are born with this inquisitive nature, this nature to, to know things. And so what we want to do is we want to know stuff, and then we, we kind of categorize it and, and systemize it, okay? We put it in boxes in our minds. Okay, so this goes there. This is how I do this. This is how I do this. We have this, this desire to, to kind of categorize, to define, uh, to be able to describe things. Even in, in, um, in theology, in terms of our belief of God, uh, we have books like this, okay? You know what they're called? Systematic theology. Okay, so w what have we done? We've taken just about every topic about God. You can go into the, the front pages here, and I mean, there is, uh, you know, here I'll give you the highlights, you know, about God's Word, about God Himself, about the Trinity, about man, about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, um, about redemption and salvation, about the church, about the future, and I mean, these, there's like 57 chapters in here on different topics, okay? And so this is Grudem, and this is Erickson. Jason likes Grudem. I like Erickson. No. <laughs> but, and, and there's a bunch of guys like that, okay? And some of the guys, their system's not so good, and other guys, their system's really good. 
But we have this, this inquisitive desire to understand God, to know about God. And I think it, 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 kind, of, it kind of comes from the fall, okay? So remember the temptation in the Garden of Eden. What was the tree? Knowledge of good and evil. Okay. The knowledge of good and evil. And what was, what did Satan, in, in, in the form of the serpent, what did he say to Eve? What would happen if she ate the fruit? You will become like God. You will know like God. You ever thought about that? And, and that's, that's part of our desire is, is we want to know stuff. We want to, ultimately, we want to become like God, knowing everything. And some of us, maybe along the way, we think, man, I've got Google. God, I, you know, I know everything because I can Google it. Um, but there's that desire, there's that innate desire in us um, to, to, to want to know God, know about God. And, and Paul, if you, if you think about Paul's life, before in Saul, did Paul know about God? Or Saul, Saul, before Damascus Road experience, okay? He knew a lot about God. Sure, but did he know, and I'm talking about information about God. I mean, Paul could probably recite, you know, when Saul at that stage, he could probably recite the Pentateuch for you. And he'd be pretty good at that. He would know all the laws. He knew so much about God, okay? He knew so much about God. Did Paul know God? So he had knowledge about him, but did he know him? Exactly. Intellectual knowledge, but not relationally. He didn't know God relationally. And so this is the cool thing is what happens on the Damascus Road is God himself in the form of Jesus Christ appears to him. And Paul gets to know him relationally. Paul gets to, to know who God is. This God that he knew about appears to him and says, it is I who you've been persecuting. It's this, who you've been persecuting. This is who I am. And, and God reveals himself to Paul in a beautiful way. Okay? So th there's definitely a change about Paul used to know about God. Now he knows God. Okay? So we need to remember that when we, um, we look at this passage in, in uh, chapter 11. Okay? Um, because there's, there's a, a very distinct difference in knowing about God and knowing God. A lot of folks will ask me, are, are you religious? A am I religious? And I love to shock folks and say, no, I'm not religious. Because for me, you know what religion is? Knowing about God. Hey, I know all these verses. I know all the stuff. I've, I've read. You can read those two books and know a lot about God and be religious and not know God, okay? I'm not saying don't read the books. I'd say read the books because when we know about God, hopefully we can come to know God in terms of a relationship, okay? So there is a difference between knowing about God, practicing religion, intellectual, head knowledge, facts, information, system, have God all neatly defined in a box, and actually knowing God in terms of having a relationship with Him. There's a big difference, okay? And so 
In these past few chapters in Romans, Paul has been speaking about knowing about God. He's been sharing information about God and how God is working in the lives of both Jews and Gentiles. Okay? Paul has been speaking about this information. Um, and it's been hard information to understand. But here's the cool thing is Paul has a relationship with God. And so what does he do? After all of this information, he, he now breaks out in praise. He breaks out in just praising God, communing with God, relating to God one-on-one and just praising God and saying, God, I, I know all of this about you. And because I know this about you, I'm not going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. And so Paul, and Paul gets pretty excited here, okay? He says some pretty amazing stuff. So let's read Romans chapter 11, verse 33 onwards. Think about everything we've read and and studied in, in the last few weeks. Lots of information, lots of maybe hard information to understand. Maybe some mystery there. Like, how is God going to save this remnant? And, and, and how, does, how does this all work together in terms of Jewish folks who've rejected God, but God is going to reveal Himself to them? How does that work? And I don't have all the answers there, okay? I have a lot more questions than answers on some of those issues. But now Paul is going to just respond to that um, and listen to what he says. He says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His powers beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Isn't that cool? I mean, Paul's like, guys, God's going to save, He's going to save us and He's working in us and, and, and we're talking about election and free will and, and, and the Jews and the Gentiles and, and the overflow of grace and how this grace is going to work through these people's rebellious hearts. And we're like, God, how does this work? How on earth are you going to get through to these people? How do you get through to us? And Paul's conclusion is, guys, whoa, this is, God, the depth, I want to read in the message, okay, just to get it into to modern day language here. It says, have you ever come on anything quite like this? Extravagant generosity of God, this deep, deep wisdom. It's way over our heads. We'll never figure it out. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell Him what to do? Anyone who has done him such a huge favor that God has to ask his advice. Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory, always praise. Yes, yes, yes. Isn't that beautiful? Paul's like, guys, God's going to work this out. And and, and he, he describes different ways and, and, and election and, and God's love and God's grace, God's outpouring and, and the maintaining of a remnant. And he says, I don't know that I have it all figured out, but you know what? God, I'm going to praise you because you have this figured out. You know your wisdom, your knowledge is way beyond what we have. And so Paul, 
I can almost see him when he's writing this, getting just so excited and probably writes this, yes, always praise, always glory, amen, and probably getting on his knees and just worshiping God. I think that's what Paul did. We'll ask him one day when we see him in heaven. Hey, did you ever just stop at the end of Romans 11 and just fall on your knees and worship God? I think there's a good chance he did. Okay, so what does Paul write about? Real brief. Um, he speaks about God's wisdom and God's knowledge. And he, and he says that God's wisdom and His knowledge are deeper and richer than we can imagine. So, you know, for a long time we thought the ocean was only this deep, and then we find out it was a little bit deeper than this, and, and we can't even get down there. But we can send little, you know, submarines down there that get squashed by the weight of the water and all this kind of stuff. But we can figure out, okay, it's about this deep. But God's wisdom and God's knowledge is way deeper than we can ever imagine. And it's richer. It's richer than we can ever imagine. Um, you know, we, we kind of think this is, this is as rich as things can get. Maybe you've tasted some food that's really rich. I remember having this chocolate cake um, at a friend's house, and I'm like, man, this is rich. It was like a chocolate cheesecake. I'm like, what's in it? You know what she'd done? Cream cheese and bars of chocolate. Just melted them together, mixed them up. I mean, that is about as rich as you can get. No flour, no eggs, just cream cheese and chocolate. I'm like, whoa. And we, we kind of did the math. She put in uh, like eight slabs of chocolate, cut the cake in 16, so you're eating half a slab of chocolate. I'm like, okay. But, but even richer than that, even richer than that, even deeper than that, is God's wisdom and His knowledge. And so we cannot always plumb the depths. We cannot always define. We cannot always say, okay, this is the limit of God's knowledge or this is the limit of, of His grace and His mercy. And so, um, yeah, He knows. He knows. God's wisdom and His knowledge means that He knows. So what does God know about you? It says that God knows um, the hairs on our head. He knows everything about us. <coughs> so He knows all the information about us. But not only does He know the information about us in terms of how much we weigh, what we ate, um, you know, everything we've, we've done in our past, but he also knows our heart, okay? And he knows us, and, and, and we need to know this, because sometimes we fear God because we think God knows all about me. He has all the facts. He's got this file with all this information about us. Not only does he know information about us, he knows us relationally. He knows who we are. He knows what's in our hearts, what's in our minds. He knows us. And He likes what He sees. He loves us. He knows us and He loves us because we are His creation. We are His creation. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to heaven because I think there's a, um, a kind of a, a blurring right now that, that goes away and we will be able to fully know God. Um, it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Okay, and it says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. You gotta remember, they didn't have those shiny mirrors we have today. They had just polished metal. And if you've ever 
Have you ever been into those old restrooms where they just polish the stainless steel and that's the mirror? You're like, man, I can't get my hair right because it's all just blurry. It's not that clear, okay? So Paul's saying, that's the best mirror they had back then, okay? This polished metal. And he says, right now, in this life, we see only as a reflection in a mirror. There's some fuzziness, some blurriness. But then we shall see face to face. We will see God face to face. He says, now I know in part. I have knowledge in part. I have relational knowledge in part. I know in part. But then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. I love that. I'm going to know God fully even as I am fully known by God. And I think even for myself, you know how they, folks say, hey, you've got to figure out who you are, know yourself. And I'm like, right now, I don't know myself that well, but one day when I stand in God's presence, not only will I know God fully and not only will He know me fully, but I think I'll be able to know myself fully because I'll be able to see myself clearly through God's eyes, clearly in God's reflection of who He created me to be. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to stand in front of God and to know Him fully, to be known fully by Him, and to figure myself out as well, to know myself fully. So Paul, he knew about God, but he also knew God. He knew Him. He knew the depths of, of God's knowledge and wisdom, and he gets super excited about this. Okay, And then Paul realizes that if, if God knows everything, then he, he kind of puts himself in place, and he says, and he puts us in place, and he says, so who are we to counsel God? Who are we to, to kind of speak to God and say, hey, God, uh, I really think you should do this. God, can I give you some advice? Do we ever do that? Yeah, I'd say um, check your prayer, okay? <laughs> um, check your prayer, because it, it, it's not hard for me while I'm praying to go like, all right, God, I got this figured out. This is what you need to do. You know, this is how you should treat this person, and this is how you should treat me, and this is how you should treat this situation, and this is what you should do. Check our prayers, because so often our prayers are, um, instead of saying, God, what would you have for me? What do you want me to do in this situation? Instead of listening in our prayer, we tend to tell God, God, you need to do this. And instead of asking God, what is your will in this situation? We already kind of just say, hey, God, I know what your will should be. <coughs> and so Paul asks, who has known the mind of God or who has been his counselor? Who has been his advisor? Who has been the person who's told God what to do? No one. And he's, and he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 40. I want to encourage you, if you have time, um, you have time, we all have time, um, go and read Isaiah chapter 40. Go and read Isaiah chapter 40. It is beautiful. Um, just read it, and, and it's this response like, God, you are amazing, and I have, I have nothing that I can add to you. I have nothing that I can advise you on. I, I have nothing really to give you except my worship. That's all I have. Okay, so... That's Isaiah chapter 40, and Paul's quoting from that, 
Um, again, remember his audience speaking to Jews. And so this really should change the way we pray. Instead of telling God what to do, we should be asking God, God, I want to align myself with your will. I want to hear from you. I want, I want to follow you. So, um, yeah, think about how much of our prayer is telling God what to do rather than trusting God. God, I'm going to trust you in this situation. I'm going to trust you with this person. I'm going to trust you with this relationship, okay? Because God knows. Knows the information, knows the details, but He also knows our hearts, okay? So, Paul takes us a step further, and he, and he quotes from Job. And remember Job's interaction with God. His friends are telling him, hey, why don't you curse God? Why don't you tell God what to do? Why don't you counsel God? Why don't you, you know, God owes you because, Job, you were a pretty okay guy. God owes you. And Job's response, and, and this is what Paul quotes out of Job 41. He says, who has ever given to God? that God should repay him or repay them. Who's ever given anything to God that, that we now stand, we kind of have a, a debt, that, or God has a debt towards us. Hey God, look at everything I've done for you. Now you owe me. No. We're never in that position. We're always in the position of worshiping God for who he is, for what he's done. Um, and we, we can't ask God, to pay us back for what we've done. So Paul's conclusion in this message is everything, everything is from God. Everything comes from God. God is the source of everything. Okay? So just know that. God is the source of everything. And when we worship, when we worship God, worship God is saying, God, you are the source of of everything. Everything is through Him. God is the means. The means of everything. There's nothing we can do really. We have to do it through God. Our ministry, um, the things we think we're doing great, all of that. God is the only means. He's the only way. And ultimately then, everything is for God. The goal, the end prize, it's all for God. It is not for us. It is not for our church. It is not for myself or for my ego or for my family or for my job. It is all for God. So how many of us can pray this prayer with Paul and say, God, I can't advise you. I can't counsel you. God, you don't owe me anything. Um, I haven't given you anything that you need to repay me for. Because God, I, I can't fully understand everything. I can't fully understand your ways. And it talks about God's ways are unsearchable. God, I, I can't figure out how, you, how are you going to get these rebellious people to respond to your grace? How are you going to do that? I don't know. So God's ways are unsearchable. We can't figure them out. And so this is one of those categories where, where I've just got to go, okay, God, I'm going to praise you for this because this is not something I can Google. This is not something I can know. This is not something that, that Erickson or, or Grudem have figured out. 
this is really cool. You get, these guys are pretty learned and they're using big words and all of that. And every now and again, they get to an end of a chapter and they say, we don't know. <laughs> you know, these are all the options out there. I don't know how God's going to do it, but we don't know. We are going to trust God on this one. This is one of those things that we're going to find out when we get to speak to God and see Him face to face. When we know Him fully and get to be known fully. So folks, I, I hope you weren't hoping for some answers. I know we've, we've raised a lot of questions in the last few weeks. And, and Paul doesn't really give all the answers. He, he trusts God and he gets to the point where he says, my only response is worship. And I hope that we get to the point in our relationship with God that, that we, we get to know so much about God that our only response is, God, I don't know anything about you. And, 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 and my response is worship. So the only thing I can do is, a, as I get to know you, that I realize how little I know about you, and so my response is worship. And all I can do is fall on my face and worship you. I pray that as, as we, we read through Romans and as we do this, this heart work over the next few weeks, that our response would not be, okay, God, now you owe me because I've done a week of rice and beans. Or, hey, I, I slept on the floor for a week. Or I've done this. I've, I've really sacrificed a lot here, God, so you owe me. No, I, I pray that our response to discovering God's grace and God's goodness is worship, is more worship that we would go deeper and, and, and understand more about God. And, and our desire would be to know God, more information about Him, but also to know God relationally, deeper and deeper, that we would know more of His wisdom, know more of His love, know more of His grace, know more of His mercy, that we would experience God on a deeper level. That's my prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you came, the incarnation, you came as a man so that we could know more of God. We could know more about God. We could see God's heart in the way that you related to people. Jesus, thank you for coming and giving us more information about God. But Father, I pray that we, we wouldn't just settle for information about you. We wouldn't just read textbooks and, and, and study and, and read your word and, and make this long list of, of all the things we know about you. But Father, I pray that as we get to know more about you, and, and that is a great thing to do, and I, and I pray that we would always be studying and searching and, and plumbing the depths, really going deeper to know more about you. But Father, I pray that it wouldn't just stay facts. It wouldn't just remain as head knowledge and, and things that we can recite and we can Google and we can, and we can know intellectually. But Father, I pray that we would know you relationally. We would be in relationship, in community with you. We would know that we are sons and daughters, that we are loved as, as your children. And that we have a relationship with you. Father, I pray that you would draw us deeper in, into knowledge about you. 
And at the same time, you would draw us deeper into a relationship with you. And Father, I pray that, that as, as we pray, Jesus, we would take time to hear you. We would take time to listen to you. And Father, in the areas where we are frustrated by not understanding, frustrated by not knowing. Father, personally, I, I struggle with those who've never heard. What, what happens to them? What happens to, to people who have never had the opportunity, have never had a fair chance to hear the gospel? And Jesus, my response is, I'm going to trust you with them because you are far more loving and kind and merciful and gracious than I can ever imagine. And Jesus, I don't know what happens, but I'm going to trust you. And Jesus, I'm going to hear your heart for people. And Jesus, I want to follow in your ways. Because we, we, we can get to know some of your ways. We can't define all of them and limit them. But Jesus, we can know your ways. And we can experience your ways and get to know you more and more and more and more. Father, I pray your blessing on us as a community of believers, as a body of believers here. Would we grow in the knowledge of you? Jesus, would we also grow in our relationships with you, in our love for you, in our worship for you? Father, would our, our response to knowing more about you, would our response be to get on our knees and worship you? Would our response be to, to sing doesn't matter if we sing great or if, if we're off-key or how it is. Jesus, I, I pray that our response would be to worship you in spirit and in truth. Because God, you are amazing. You are awesome. The depth of your wisdom and knowledge is just amazing and, and beyond our comprehension. And so we praise you and we worship you for who you are, our Father, the Lord. Praise in your name.